You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's episode is with G-Flip. She's one of the most exciting acts to come out of 2018, and it's kind of crazy to think that she's only just getting started. Her tune, Killing My Time, is one of those tracks that you grow obsessed with. I mean, at least I certainly did. She's a multi-instrumentalist from Australia. I mean, originally first a drummer, then she taught herself keys and singing and so many different instruments. And through this talk, we go into that wild story of how music became her life and how she just ran with it. She was in New York a few weeks back and we got to chat for the very first time. And we don't only go into her music, but we just go also into the wild ride that 2018 has been for her, as well as what we can expect for her in 2019. This is the 405 Exchange with G-Flip. Enjoy. So it's definitely always helpful starting out at the beginning and I'm really keen on people getting to learn more about you. So when did music start for you? Um, I think always as a child I was singing melodies in my head and I can remember listening to like other songs on the radio like Aqua and like, do you know Aqua? Yeah. Like I'm a Barbie girl. Yeah, Barbie girl, yeah. Yeah. Dr. Jones. Yeah, they had a really banging like greatest hits album that not too many people know about really. Oh really? Yeah. I don't even know about that. Yeah. But yeah, like songs like that, that I was growing up, what else, Spice Girls, Hanson and all that. I'd always sing my own melodies over the songs yeah. as a kid. Like I'd just hum along and make up my own kind of songs, listening to a song. I remember doing that and then I got given a drum kit when I was nine years old because I used to stare at my cousin's drum kit that he used to play and he's a fair bit older than me. And then my uncle bought me a drum kit a little one because I was like a tiny human yeah. at nine years old. So then I had a little kid's bright blue drum kit and then I started learning drums and then I became obsessed with drums and then I guess leading up till the start of this year I was always a drummer and playing drums in bands and I toured with bands yeah. and I toured America before as a drummer and then I always kind of in the back of my head had thought of this solo project that I would do because I was starting to get more confident on stage singing because I was doing backup vocals but I was never confident enough to show people the songs I'd been writing behind closed doors yeah. and then that kind of came at the end of 2016 my band that I was playing for drums for ended and then I was like okay I reckon it's time for me to give a shot at this solo career that I've always thought about being this like singing, drumming, run around stage, play guitar, uh, play drums, play piano, kind of multi-instrumentalist idea of this G-Flip um, <clears throat> project. And then I spent the whole of 2017 in my bedroom writing all the music and producing and teaching myself how to produce yeah. and then I was like okay I'm ready let's find a manager and then I hassled <laughs> managers till someone fucking worked <laughs> with me and then now we're here. I'm really curious though to hear about what the sh where the internal shift came from because a big nice running joke is that there's never any shortage of bands 
established new or middling that could use a new drummer. So it would have been really easy for you to continue mm. drumming. Where do you think it was where within yourself you're like, I actually want to focus on singing now? I think always, ever since I started writing songs at around 14, when I started learning, teaching myself guitar and piano, I realized that I really enjoyed songwriting. And when I'd write songs, I'd often think like, oh, I actually think this is pretty good. Like, I, I wouldn't say I'm an average average songwriter. I had like belief in myself that I was a good songwriter. Yeah. And um, I think in the back of my head, there was always this voice telling me that, you know, you should go for a solo career. And my dad's a massive supporter of me and my family and they would hear my music. Um, and they would always tell me that I should go solo. My friendship group throughout high school were the maybe the first people that heard me sing. Yeah. And I remember when we had our schoolies, which is like spring break when you finish, mm -hmm. um, I wrote all these like funny songs, but we still sing them to this day because they're like quite catchy about being young and dumb and drinking and <laughs> finishing high school. Um, and they would always tell me that I should go solo. And then um, my girlfriend, when I met her like three years ago, the first thing she said to me was like, have you ever thought about doing a solo career? Cause she heard me sing. Uh -huh. And then I was like, yeah, I have. I've been thinking about doing it for a long time. There just hasn't been the right time. And I always thought within myself, there'll be the right time to do it. And then that time kind of came when um, that, that band finished. And I was like, "What?" I just didn't know what to do next. And then I was like, well, that's what I'm doing next. Yeah, so. you know what's mega is that like a few weeks ago I was um, in Ireland. It's a bit of a second home for me. And I've been to Australia when I was a kid, but I can barely remember it. But the reason I bring that up is that something's really beautiful at Ireland is that there's like people playing music at every corner, almost mm. every restaurant, every bar you go into. And you can tell it's such like a part of people's lives. Mm. With the way you just described it, I imagine your upbringing was kind of like that, where music mm. was just around. It just felt like yeah. second nature to be part of it. Yeah, for sure. My parents always blasted music from when I was a really young kid yeah always were my, their tastes particularly different your mom and your yeah dad my dad was like punk like rancid <laughs> like the Rolling Stones he loved he loved Green Day like early Green Day like the Dookie record yeah. um he loved uh the Clash the Cure like Pink Floyd um and then my mum liked more pop like Michael Jackson like more top 40 yeah my mum liked um what was this band that she loved All Saints do you know who All Saints no, are it's like a girl girl band yeah they my probably had liked, a big hit though I reckon yeah, yeah. they had yeah. a big hit <laughs> my dad was mad into Michael Jackson Prince like everything from that and my mom was particularly keen on like really like Kenny Rogers and like when we first moved to States, they're both French my parents French and Haitian and when they first moved here for some reason my mom grew obsessed with American country oh, really? I don't know where that came from yeah she That's loved so the country like, yeah. yeah my uh, I think my parents both had their influence on me blasting but then I kind of chose my favorites and I gravitated towards Michael Jackson like no tomorrow I like just played I remember for my ninth birthday I got the Bad album, and that was like kind of my first <laughs> album. Yeah. And I would just blast that. And then also like Jackson 5 and all that. I remember being a kid, and my dad had like um, 
uh, the Thriller album, mm. like in like the like just on display in the house. Mm. And I remember being a kid, and I didn't put together that the uh, the vinyl can't that we would listen to all the time came from that because you just see the cover. Yeah. And for those who might not be familiar with it, it's him just like lying. Yeah, down. lying. He's in like a white suit, isn't he? Yeah, it's a white like suit. A, yeah. But when you open it up, it's like him lying next to a tiger. I remember as a kid thinking, like, why is he next to a tiger? That's the goofiest. <laughs> oh man. Sense. Back in those days, that was like chill. That was like 80. <laughs> what year's thrill is like 83, 84, I think. Is it? Was, I think it was 84. Probably. I would have. 74. I, yeah, I was going to say, I would have put it in the 70s, actually. But it might be 80s. No, no. I, think it was, I think it was early 80s, and then bad was 87. I need to go look at my history there. <laughs> mm. You know, I want to start asking you a bit about your music, like particularly about you. It's one of those tracks that you don't expect from a new act, especially as you debut a song, because what really caught my eye with that song, what well, my ears really, is the fact that lyrically and just musically, it's quite sinister, yet there's a sweetness to it at the same time, like mm -hmm. when you're listening to it. And I love how it feels like your voice dictated the instrumentation rather than the other way around. Mm. That's something yeah. I call it. Am I, am I right in thinking that's kind of how it came together? I always, when people bring this up, I'm always thinking it comes back to me being a drummer and my melody is almost arrhythmic. Yeah. Like, the way, rather than like singing notes that have like long held, held notes and like um, a lot of contour in the melody that's being held. I feel like mine's more like jagged, like yoga crazy, yeah, do crazy when you turn into a gap. It's very like da 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 da, like like a snare drum solo, da 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 like. So I find that my background and growing up as a drummer, and I actually studied, I did a bachelor music and I majored in drums at university back in Melbourne. So I just did snare soloing, snare soloing for like three years so yeah. I feel like those like rhythms in my head really um, come into play when I'm thinking of melodies or when I just like improv melodies on the spot yeah. Um, so yeah I'd say that the melody really carries that song I believe because the instrumentation is so bare I think I laid one synth a beat then by the second chorus an arpeggio synth I put in and then stripped it back for the bridge and then all that's added in the last chorus is a drum kit so the instrumentation is so bare um, and in my production I like having things quite simple. What's so. interesting about that and I've noticed this a lot with talking to a lot of different singers is that like usually there tends to be like a gap of a time between someone feeling comfortable with their voice being so prominent which doesn't seem as obvious, but I guess a lot of people find themselves needing to reconcile how they feel about their voice. Mm. But it's interesting with the way you started, you were like quite confident in your voice at the start, or at least comfortable mm. with it enough. Like, Yeah, I feel like with About You, that track is actually my, my bedroom demo. So when I made that, yeah. I wasn't thinking, oh my God, this is gonna be my first single, this is gonna be yeah. released. I like made it so like nonchalantly like just yeah. so calm and collected like in my bedroom in my happy place put it down um and then in the end i ended up releasing exactly that we actually tried to record it um like nicer with a nicer microphone yeah and then i fucking hated it <laughs> and i was like 
no, we're using the bedroom demo. <laughs> like, and everyone agreed. That's amazing, though. Mm. I love. I'm, I'm one of those music fans that, because I love like demos and B sides, and I'll mm. get pretty like uh, geeky with it. And I particularly tend to love demos over studio recording mm. most of the time. There's always just a quality that can't be matched. Like, nah, I'm so with you. Yeah, I'm so with you on that. Demos, there's always that magic because you're not going into it with the pressure that this is going to be the record, this is going to be the thing that everyone hears, you go into it without that um, little thing in your head, so you, you're more calm and more, you, you're more free to be creative, I feel, I you're not, there's true. no pressure. Yeah, one of the things that made me very keen uh, to talk to you, and I was really excited knowing I was going to talk to you, because Killing My Time is definitely one of my favorite tunes of the year. Like, that's oh, one of those. Awesome. Yeah. Man. You're grinning like fuck. It's great. What I love about the podcast is like people usually can't, people can't see what you're yeah. doing. So it's nice <laughs> you grinning about that. But um, no, like that song really has grown to being like one of my favorite songs mm -hmm. of the year. And you did such a great song writing a pop song that still feels, that leaves you feeling affected. Mm. Like, I find myself thinking about like situations in my life that I could correlate what you're singing about, but not in like mm. a negative way, just kind of like, yeah. like a, a bit like an earworm. Mm. And yeah, like what's the story of how you made this one? Because that's just, that's a tune, man. Yeah, Killing My Time. Um, Killing My Time came about really quickly. So once I um, kind of literally um, went out and got management because I just knew that I was ready and I'd written enough songs to spend enough time in my bedroom. Yeah. Um, everything started coming together and they really helped me get all my ideas ready and formed yeah. um, to release About You. Um, about a week before I released About You, I did one of my first sessions ever. Yeah. Session is when you go work with a producer and you write a song and you just see what happens. Mm -hmm. And this was like my second session ever in the world. So I'm like, not used to it. You go meet a random, <laughs> you meet a random person, tell them about your life, and then you write a song in a day. So there's this guy back in, in my hometown, Melbourne. His name's Styles. Never met him before, rocked up. Um, we just started chatting. Um, he's a producer, so he had his little setup. I sat in his little room, I touch everything, so naturally I'm like walking around playing on fucking his like Dave Smith like synth he's got and like walking around and then we just started writing and we wrote Killing My Time in I reckon about two hours and the story behind that song was I uh, was very on and off with this girl and then she came back into my life and it was just as about you was about like I'd been working towards <laughs> my G Flip career for a whole year. So it was a week before About You was coming out and I was so busy and so like, I was so focused and then she just came back into my life and I felt like she was killing my time. <laughs> it's like, or we just kept hanging out too much and then I'd be late to something because we'd just be in bed all day and like, um, and I remember like as soon as I met Styles, I was like, venting to him and then <laughs> writing lyrics about it and then the song came together really quick. I remember the first melody I put down was the leave me baby please leave me alone and we we put down some synth patches and then um, when he got coffee and I remember I was singing that while I was getting coffee trying to remember it mm -hmm. and then I pulled out my voice memos and like sang it in there 
and then that's the first melody that um, I sang. I'm pretty sure I sang it with those lyrics as well. Yeah, leave me, baby, please. And then we just recorded that down. And then um, the song came together really, really quickly. I also think <laughs> that that melody was in my head. And you were just trying to find a place for it, like. No, that me- I was listening to ancient Chinese music the week beforehand. Okay. Like Chinese violin, yeah, yeah. two-string instrument. Mm-hmm. But to me, that melody sounds very much like it's almost bending the end of the scale. Like. Oh wow. Sounds a bit. Yeah. Like a Chinese violin, hey. Yeah, when you until, think about it. yeah, until you did that in my yeah. head just now, I was like, what the fuck was you talking about? But then seeing you do that, I know. I'm like, wait a minute. I know. So I was listening <laughs> to chi- traditional Chinese music the week beforehand. I've got no idea why. And I feel like listening to those melodies and like Chinese violin inspired that melody. That's not. So, that's a funny story. That's really yeah. wicked though. And you know, like... I meant to bring this up as well, but also we talked a little bit about touring before we hit the recorder. Um, as someone who's toured before, I have to give it up to you for the fact that you found a way of making airports look so much more interesting than they are with the music video. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> it can't be overstated enough, like how creative that video is. Like that's really, like, it's cool how that came together. Like yeah, that video. Um, same with about you. I've made them on my iPhone. Um, killing my time. The way my life happened, I dropped about you, and then two weeks later, I was playing eight shows at South by, and then I had shows booked all over the world. So it was like my life like began in like a second and overnight, and um, I had all these shows booked, and then somewhere in there, I had to make a film clip for Killing My Time, and then my team and me were talking, and we were like trying to find a day that would be free, either in London or I think I had some time in. Berlin or something like random spots mm-hmm. to make a film clip and I'm and I was just like that is fucking stressful <laughs> so then I came up with the idea of making a whole film clip in the airport with my iPhone nice. and then I'll just sing in the airport <laughs> now I'm like now I look back at it and I'm such a perfectionist yeah. and I think a lot about my art I look back on it and I'm like, that is the shittest film <laughs> ever. What the fuck was I thinking? But it's charming, like, mm. like it's like it's cool that it just. You know what? I was talking to a friend about it recently. Not just the video, but just mm. like videos of that sort. And I love the fact when you can approach art in that way. Mm. Oh yeah, it's very like touch and go. It's very much like I'm gonna create this now. Yeah. Well, I got a lot of weird looks. <laughs> I would imagine. Because it is one of those things that as you're walking about, I can imagine people are like, like, what's this girl doing? Oh yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, this girl's full of herself. She's just staring at herself <laughs> on her phone for like an hour. Yeah. So tell me this, even though you have just like two songs out, you've obviously been playing live so much like you mentioned, and you're going to be playing live tonight with Babies Alright, and you've played in New York before. I bring all this up because obviously your live show has more than just two songs in it. Yeah. What song do you feel has been going down the best live? Like a song you haven't released yet? Oh, I think... Um... At the moment, probably this song I have called Drink Too Much. Yeah. It's about, I wrote it, this is, it's actually the oldest song in the set. I wrote it at the end of 2016 when my band finished and I, I knew that I was going to go sober in my bedroom when I was going to put this all together. Yeah. So I partied my ass off. 
<laughs> until I went sober. And I remember one night I got really fucking wasted in Melbourne. <laughs> and I stayed up till 11 a.m. the next day. Holy shit. And then my dad picked me up. <laughs> I was like, Dad, I'm like... Help me. <laughs> in Chapel Street, please come pick me up. And he came pick me up. And we had a family gathering at 1 p.m. So I had like two hours to kill. So I wasn't going to go to sleep because then that would make everything worse. You know how you just get more tired if you have a nap? Yeah, yeah. So then I stayed up and I was at my dad's house and I had a piano and a bass guitar because my dad plays bass. And I wrote this song called Drink Too Much which has like a heavy bass line. Mm-hmm. And I play bass on it live. And um, that song's been going down well. Everyone seems to like jump about. Um, other than that, a song called I'm Not Afraid. Yeah. Because there's a drum solo in it live. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you jump on the kit and then you're like... I, I jump around the stage so much. I'm like, one song on drums, next song front woman, next song playing these drums at the front, next song playing guitar, next song playing bass. So there's next songs one. that you got where you play drums and sing at the same time, yeah? Yeah. That's wicked. Yeah, man. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, all four limbs and my mouth going at the same time. <laughs> and it's just like one big one-woman show, yeah? Um, I actually play with two, two of my best mates. Oh, yeah. So I quickly realized I didn't have enough arms to play <laughs> all the instruments. I could see that being like a hard thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so funny story, the, one of my like, best mates in the world, his name's Toothpick. I met him years ago on that last tour I did before the band broke up yeah. and I went solo. And he, I was touring with his band. His band was a band from Colorado. Right. And I met him and we lived on a tour bus together and just became best mates. So when I was putting my project together, he's the first person I called. He flew from Colorado to Melbourne, slept on my couch. Holy shit. And so he's been with me like the whole way through. And then so is Fernando, the other guy in the band. Yeah. Um, we needed a third member and we didn't know anyone who was also a multi-instrumentalist because you've got to change instrument every, yeah. every song. So, um, uh, my team helped me find Fernando, a crazy dude from LA, <laughs> met him two days before my first ever show at South by Southwest. Wow. And then it was like the three best friends that anyone could have. We just got along too well. <laughs> and then we all have like inside jokes and all like talking accents to each other and like we all love each other so much and then... I was quickly like to my team, I don't want to play with anyone else. So That's beautiful. Like. They're coming with me everywhere. Yeah. And they're so grateful and they're just the most awesome boys ever. So. Tell me a bit about like, because I've known people throughout the years who have done uh, South by and played so many shows, mm. but it's insane <clears throat> the velocity in which you did it. Like, when you look back, like, do you feel like that must have been such a great week? Like. That was honestly one of the best weeks of my life. I have the best memories from it. And yeah. I have the best videos on my phone from it. And it was like, it was like the, f- the joy and the excitement that I remember from that period of time. I remember just coming back to this big hotel room. First of all, I never stayed in a hotel yeah. that luxurious. I put on the, the fucking bathrobe as soon as I walked in the <laughs> and the slippers and me like, this is amazing. You're literally balling. I know. know. Um, it was so great. First show and then I played eight shows in four days and the momentum and the 
amount we grew each show yeah. and I got so much more confident by the end of it that I was just like talking shit <laughs> mid songs like just like rambling on about whatever um it's amazing it's like yeah. and there was no I had no anxiety or worry I was not and nervous no expectations like just went into it hard yeah. me and Toothpick from our last tour when we play, when I was playing as a drummer mm-hmm. we played South by to empty rooms yeah. and like it was shitty and it wasn't that much of a fun experience that South by we did so me and him like we really made it clear to each other that we're gonna play South by and we're gonna fucking make this count like we're gonna by the end of it have packed shows we're like and it may it became a mission between me and Toothpick that we were gonna make this South by worthwhile That's and um me and him practice so hard we practice like he flew out we had two weeks before my first show and we went over every fuck up that could happen because we didn't want people to not come to the next show yeah and the very first show this is my first show ever my mic was connected into the wrong input so i didn't have my own voice in my ears yeah but i practiced that at least five to ten times that happening yeah so it didn't matter when I was on stage, it was like, I've practiced this happening, so obviously my mic is not connected in the wrong input, it's like an input <laughs> six rather than seven. Yeah. So yeah, it didn't it didn't harm the show and it didn't make us feel like, oh fuck, it's over, it's ruined. Yeah. Um, and then we went beast into the next show and then every show just got... God, fucking me. Like, were there any acts you discovered at South by that you still love to this day? Like, acts you ended up stumbling upon that you're like, oh, I really like fuck with this band. Like, I think singers. it was the first time I saw Gang of Views, which are an Aussie band. They keep being that amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're really big in Australia. I just never seen them live, um, so that was the first time I saw them and talked to them. Yeah, Dave, the lead singer, came up to me. He actually, he was standing over there with a line of people to get a photo with him. Yeah, yeah. And I was in the line waiting, and I was <laughs> like, "Fuck, I'm about to play. I got to go to my stage." Yeah, yeah. So I went to my stage, and as I'm setting up my stage, someone taps me on the back, and it's him. Oh shit! And I'm like, ah, what the hell? <laughs> he's just like, he's like, keep doing what you're doing, kid. Like, you're amazing. And I like shat my pants. But I was like. Holy fuck, man! And then I got a photo with him. That's amazing. Like. But yeah, I didn't actually get to see too many acts at South by. I was so busy, man. Yeah, yeah. Eight shows, four days, and then so much press and interviews. Yeah, and I never like really, I never really done interviews. So it was like my first like. And they just like threw you right in the deep. Like, how did you find it? Like, just asking me questions. I was like, <laughs> I love talking, man. So I was like. This is funny. This is a good format for you, though. You got to just talk, talk, and talk. Like. Yeah, I know. I was like, yeah. I'm happily just talk. <laughs> <laughs> I only have a couple of questions for you, but going back to what I described with uh, the live show, the fact that you do have a live show and you only have two songs out. Mm-hmm. This is almost, I don't think I know exactly how to phrase this question, but like, I almost want to know, like, what does it feel like knowing that you have all these songs that people haven't like heard yet because I feel like it almost feels internally like you kind of like have almost a bit like a secret like people have to go to the shows to like experience it I know it's funny because everyone around me yeah. knows all the songs like all my friends yeah. all my family so we listen and like to the songs all the time so it's yeah. 
you know, the people on the outside don't know that. Um, yeah. Is that weird? Um, it's kind of dope. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I never really think about it. Yeah. Um, it is kind of like having a little secret. Like every day I'm like, I should just leak this song. <laughs> I should just email the team and be like, oopsie, I leaked a song. Oopsie, I leaked like five songs. Something tells me you think about that multiple times a day. I'm in my room, like, <laughs> in my studio. I'm like finishing tracks um, every day. And then I'm like, I should just put it online. Oh, I should just release it. That'd be mega. It would be. I get in a lot of trouble. It really would. People would fucking go mad as shit. No. Tell me, like, because playing music live has already been a big portion of your life. <clears> I wonder, like, how do you feel that playing live has influenced your approach to songwriting? Because imagine, even though, like, you've still been writing songs ever since all this has started. Yeah. Do you feel like the songwriting has changed because all the live shows? Are? Um, not really. A lot of the songs I've, I'm playing live are old songs that I wrote a year and, or a year and a half ago or two years ago yeah. so there are a lot of old tunes um, I think there's one song in the set I wrote three months ago which is like before my Aussie tour I like rushed it in there I was like we're playing this song I'm gonna teach you boys it and you better just get your shit together and we're gonna just give it a go and that's the second song in the set at the moment um, yeah. but no I don't feel I've played live for so long, so it doesn't really... My songwriting is always kind of the same. Mm. I, I write a lot about my situation in life, so mm. I find my songs have changed just because my life's changed in my songwriting, lyrically, yeah. and what the story's about. That's mm. smoke of that. And, like, um, you know, this is something I really wanted to ask you about. When I was reading up on you, um, I came across the story of your drumming teacher, uh, mm -hmm. Jenny Morris. Yeah. And I know it must be a bit of a hard thing to talk about, but I'd love to hear you talk about her, because, I mean, when I read up yeah. what you said about her, I just it really did hit me quite hard. Like, mm. um, yeah, Jenny, um, she taught me, she was my first, like, drum teacher, taught me from when I was 13 till about 19. So, and that part of your life, you're so impressionable and you're going through your adolescence and you're growing as a human being so much. And it's kind of that period of your life, I find that most humans um, have had like an idol or someone that's inspired them. And for me, it was definitely her. Um, ever since I met her, we just got along really well and she'd always say like, you were exactly like me. Like, we are the exact same person. You're just like, like eight years younger or however younger I was um, and yeah she taught me everything I knew from drums I bought the same drumsticks as her same drum kit as her she loved Michael Jackson we'd listen to the bad album yeah. in, um, in the practice room um, she was a massive influence and I always remember her we used to talk and she used to talk about how she'd dream of touring America one day and like how cool that would be and like that kind of became my dream because she said that and I was like well, I'm going to tour America one day like you want to do it I want to do it um and you did yeah and then I got it tattooed on my arm I got too many layers on you can't see but <laughs> there was a point where I was like when I was just a drummer touring on a tour bus and looking outside at like the desert in Arizona and I was like holy shit I'm actually doing this like Fuck yeah, Jenny would be so proud of me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it's really cute. 
how everything's happened for me and like Jenny's family reaching out to me and some of them coming to my shows and stuff so um, they know how much she kind of meant to me and um, yeah she's just a massive influence my my main inspiration in all of this and um I'd always say to her like Jenny what am I going to do when I'm older <laughs> and she'd always be like you know I don't know flip but you're going to do something crazy and I feel like I've just got to try and make this life as crazy as I can yeah so yeah you know what I love about hearing about that and like I really don't mean this to sound like super dramatic or whatever mm. but just like it's mental how like not many people grow up, especially as teenagers, having mm. someone being that supportive, especially in regards mm. to just like doing something that's outside of like the box. Like, like mm. the fact she would tell that to you that you're gonna do something like awesome, like, like mm. it just emboldens you, I'd imagine, right? Oh man, I like it, like creeps me out almost like her saying that. It's like she knew what I was gonna do with my life. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're gonna do something really crazy. But also, like, she believed yeah. in it. Like. Oh yeah, you know, she, she, yeah. She thought I was so crazy and fun <laughs> and, uh, like, she was a massive support. She'd leave the key to the drum room out in, like, a pot plant so I could wag class and go play drums because she taught me at the, my high school. And I ended up doing double lessons with her and then xylophone lessons and then orchestra. So we'd spend so much of our days together. Oh, my God. Um, but, so yeah. yeah. I'm sorry you lost her. But... No, it, oh, man, it's, it's fine now. It's very heartbreaking, but... Um, I'm just trying to leave a legacy for her, and um, I named my drum kit after her, Jeromo. Did you? Yeah, because her name's Jenny Rose Morris, and I used to call her Jeromo, so the first th two symbols of each of her names, I used to shout that at her across the school. So when it came to naming my drum kit, the f like, as soon as I came up with this idea to make this LED screen drum kit, I was just like, Jeromo. That's it. That's Never thought of another name. It was that was it. That's really beautiful. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, before I let you go here, uh, something I really want to ask you about is like, I mean, I reckon obviously you're working towards an EP or an album, probably both. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder, like, what have you found really surprising about the experience you've had working towards that? Like, because one thing to like record songs, obviously I've experienced drumming and acts mm. before, but the fact you're working towards like a body of work, what's that <coughs> been like for you? Um, it's been awesome. I think for me right now, I've worked out that touring, I don't get a lot of music done. Yeah. So when I'm on tour, I'm not as good as having a laptop in my room, finishing production and finishing writing. So when I have time, downtime or time at home, mm -hmm. I'm like finishing as many tracks as I can because I know when I go on the road, it's harder for me to finish stuff. So I think for this whole process, I'm realizing that I need to work a lot, like way ahead of time. Yeah. So right now I'm working on like tracks that probably won't be released for a long time because I know there's going to be a lot of touring in there. Yeah. So working through all of this, I'm realizing that, you know, in the music industry, you got to work ahead a lot of the time so because there's so much other work that goes on uh. that takes away chunks of time, like touring. So, like, I'm writing so many songs that probably will be on a second album <laughs> or a third album, you know what I mean? Yeah. Working so ahead of time. Um, That's mad, though. So, yeah. I like writing a lot, though. So, if I have any time off, I'm like, I want to book me in with a session, put me with 
uh, I like collaborating. It's like my new thing. I love being put with someone to write a song or a producer yeah. to write a song. I spent so much time doing it all by myself, being my own songwriter's own producer. Yeah. So bouncing ideas off people, it's like so refreshing. Do you reckon next year is going to be just as much touring as it did this year or probably more? More, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon more. Yeah. Which I'm not mad about. I want I to see. Saying, you're grinning again. You're like really keen for it, aren't you? I want to see more of the world, man. Yeah. I got to see a few countries, like five new countries I'd never seen this so. year. And next year I want to see another five. Is there like a really, really big. Do you get to do Mexico yet? No. That's big. I haven't been to Mexico yet. I'm dying to go. It looks so beautiful. Mexico? I want to. Japan is like number one. Yeah. And then, like, I would like to go to Brazil because it's like percussion capital of the world basically yeah. and I studied like Brazilian percussion in uh, at university so uh, and Brazilian music fans particularly are some of the most like passionate fans you could ever come across yeah there, there's always that that comment come to Brazil yeah yeah <laughs> Have you used, you've gotten it already? Like you've been getting it? Yeah, I've got, I think I've got it twice. <laughs> so I've got two come to Brazils and I'm awesome. like, ah, but I don't know if it's the joke or, <laughs> or if that person's actually from Brazil. I bet they are. Mm. Thanks so much for talking with me. I'm really glad we got to talk today. That's chill, man. You are crazy to your call. It's just so hard.